0: Whoa, wait a minute. Huh? Hold up. What?
1: Oh, okay. Did we
2: just lose the f***ing Canucks?
1: You're listening to Halford and Bruff. Left circle Hughes towards the goal. Shoots, he scores! Quinn Hughes with a wrister off the left wing. Yeah, I think we grinded pretty well. I mean, we
0: hung in there. Juan Soto, he is someone that the Blue Jays are looking at.
1: To the receiver's leg, hitting out of bounds, his butt cheek in inbound. <laughs> that hurt like a butt cheek on a stick.
0: Good morning, Vancouver. Six hundred one on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Bruff. It is Sportsnet six fifty. We are coming to you live from the Kintex Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver. Jason, good morning. Good morning. Hey, dog. Good morning to you. Good morning, Laddie. Good morning to you as well. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff. The morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour one of the program, and that's just great. That is just awesome. Hour one of the program is brought to you by. Us Now tell them about Kintec
1: we're coming to you live from the Kintec studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics. By the way, we're probably going to have a new sponsor announcement. I just think it's neat. Canada's favorite orthotics provider, that is Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. What's happening on the program, you may be asking. Guest list
0: begins at 6.30. David Amber, Sportsnet Hockey Night Canada host, will be joining us. Uh, we can talk about the Canucks' big win in Calgary over the weekend. Uh, we'll whip around all the other, other big NHL stories with David Amber from Sportsnet at 6.30, 7.30, Mike Tannier, our NFL insider from The Messenger, a host of things to get into. But the biggest NFL story of the weekend is that I am actually sitting next to a true Betting aficionado, yeah. In Jason Brown
1: I can just see what's happening right now in in the NFL. I just, I just, I just understand it. Big picture the vision. He's got the vision. He's got a gift. Really, it's like uh, you know how when the greats say that like the game slows down for them. That's basically what's happened for me when I'm picking. I picked. You're I just picked, a betting savant. Yeah, you like, what you're saying? I, yeah. like you're the main man of betting. S- someone texted in early and called. Um, he, I guess he's a Packers fan. Okay. And um, Liam in Calgary, he he goes, my Packers with a massive upset to beat the Chiefs. That wasn't a massive upset. Like, I called that the Packers would at least cover the spread in that, and it wasn't a huge spread, and they outright won the game, right? Like, the, the Packers are now, by the way, Packers are now ahead of the Seahawks in the standings. I also said that the Rams... We're gonna we're gonna cover the spread and beat the Browns. And it was basically just like all the teams that were gonna move past the Seahawks in the standings because the Rams would move past the Seahawks. I just I just see it now. Like I'm basically I'm gonna start up start out my own uh betting hedge fund. So despite the fact that we already
0: have an NFL expert in studio, we are gonna still talk to Mike Tanier, our Monday morning quarterback, at 7.30. Uh eight o'clock, Randy Janda, Sportsnet six fifty, Canucks Radio. Color commentator is going to join us again. We'll talk about the Nikita Zadorov acquisition, the big role that he played in the 4-3 win over Calgary on Saturday. Lots to get into there. Speaking of the Vancouver Canucks, we are giving away a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and the Minnesota Wild on Thursday, December 7th at Rogers Arena. That's going to go to one of, here's the key, one of the best what we learned today. Hashtag it WWL. Put a ticket emoji into your text. You'll be entered into the grand prize contest for a pair of tickets to see the Canucks and Wild on Thursday, December 7th at Rogers Arena. That's not all we're giving away today, Jason. We're also giving away a pair of tickets to see Canada take on the Australians, the hated Australians, Tuesday, December 5th at BC Place. Scratch that. Christine Sinclair Place. Right. Right? Right. Everyone understands what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. It's our final match wearing the Maple Leaf for the Canadian Women's National Team. So if you want tickets to see Christine Sinclair's farewell game, put a soccer ball emoji into your text. I cannot wait to see how this turns out. <laughs> I think it's going to go great. The, we all- the, the soccer ball ticks for the Canucks game. Ticket emoji for Sinclair Slow game. it down here. Two different emojis. Mm-hmm. If you want to win all the tickets or one of the other, uh, ticket emoji and a soccer ball emoji. We will accept any type of ball, frankly. You know what? Yeah. At Someone's point, just going to text us, ask us anything, ticket emoji. Yeah. There's a piece of pizza in there for some reason. Anyway. Even basketball feels basketball. You'll, you'll accept that? Yeah, keep, yeah. Sure. Why not? Keep it simple. Okay? We are giving away a lot of stuff today. Dunbar number text line is 650-650. Get your what we learn's in guest list. Working in reverse, eight o'clock Randeep Janda, seven thirty Mike Tannier, six thirty David Amber. That's what's happening on the program today. Laddie, let's tell everybody what happened.
1: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. no. What happened? I missed all the action because I was We know how busy your life can be.
0: What happened? You missed, you missed that? What Happened is brought to you by the BC Construction Safety Alliance. Making safety simpler by giving construction companies the best in tools, resources, and safety training. Visit them online at bccsa.ca. On Saturday, at the Saddle Dome in Calgary, Nikita Zadorov looked like he had the game-winning goal. Turns out it was the assist to the game-winning goal. He gets that in his debut. The Vancouver Canucks hang on for a 4-3 victory against the
1: Calgary Flames, as mentioned, at the Saddle Dome on Saturday. Another beauty goal for Quinn Hughes. Man, that shot is something else. Uh, It was an encouraging win for the Vancouver Canucks. I thought they battled hard and were the better team on the night. It was close, but I thought they were the better team. Uh, Petey seemed to have a bit more jump. I really liked the changes that Tockett made to the top two lines. Maybe not for forever, but I think something had to change with those lines. Uh, He ended up putting Kuzmenko with Miller and Besser and promoting Lafferty up with PD and Mikheyev. Mikheyev had maybe his best game of the season, maybe his best yeah, game, game as a Canuck. Canuck. Yeah, he was, he was really good. And look, he is not a sniper. He's not the greatest finisher in the world, but he finds a way. Um, he had a goal, uh, had a couple of points, I think. Uh, and most importantly, like, he gets the puck moving in the right direction. And I'm not saying he drives that line because PD, when he's on, he's going to be the guy that drives that line. But uh, Mikheyev is a good player. Um, and, you know, it's nice to see that he's been able to bounce back from a pretty serious injury and a pretty big surgery. Um, granted, you know, far from a perfect performance for the Vancouver Canucks, which has kind of been par for the course for the last few weeks. Um, the PK, the penalty kill, it might be improved from last season. And and I think it's running at around 80%, which is not horrible, but it's still in the bottom half of the league. Uh, and it's still not very good, right? Like the, the penalty kill, you wouldn't watch that penalty kill or you wouldn't look at the numbers for the penalty kill and say, uh, this is a good PK. It's not. It's not yet. Uh, Zadorov and Myers were paired up for Backlund's power play goal and everyone's talking about how, you know, they got combined stick length of 800 feet or whatever it is. Well, (laughs) you know, uh, Michael Backlund still found the back door um, and Tyler Myers and most of his teammates got caught puck watching on that one. It was a nice play by the Flames, good pass by Ruzichka. Uh, But when you look at the underlying numbers of the Canucks PK, it still gives up too many chances. So... you know, things to work on still, and I guess the good news is that the Canucks are at home now for a good stretch. They practiced yesterday. They had the day off. They will have the day off today, so they will be able to get some practice time, and I think the PK needs practice. Um, again, today is a day off for the team. They practice yesterday at Rogers Arena— Five straight games at home now. Starting Tuesday Gotta against. Eat. Gotta eat. Starting Tuesday against the New Jersey Devils. Uh, the Canucks are eight two and one at Rogers Arena. Their only regulation losses were to Seattle and remember their last home game against the Vegas Golden Knights that uh, didn't go so well. They also lost to the Rangers in overtime because the ref blew a call. Mm-hmm. Uh, no back to backs on this homestand. I think that's interesting. So we'll see. How much action does Smith gets, if any? I expect he'll get at least one of these games. They don't want to overplay Factor Demko, but it is worth noting that they don't have any back-to-backs on this homestand.
0: Yeah, so a few takeaways from there. One, Canucks power play currently clicking at 75% which puts them 23rd in the NHL. Interestingly enough, the next couple of opponents coming in, the New Jersey Devils and the Minnesota Wild, just a handful of teams that actually have a worse penalty kill than the Canucks this year. That includes the Minnesota Wild, who have the worst penalty kill in the National Hockey League. So, yeah, the unit's improved. It's still not what you'd consider good by any metric, Mm -hmm. especially the average in the league right now. But... Um, it'll be interesting to see how they match up in these next two games, not just in terms of special teams either, but against the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday, I think... They There's, have an unbelievable power play, don't they? Yeah, but they're also they've dealt with really significant injuries oh, this they're year, dealing right? Dealing with
1: with another one too to Dougie Hamilton, who's right. Out indefinitely now, and,
0: and it's really sort of sidetracked their season because I think everyone thought that this team was, and you included, was going to take that next step forward in their progression. They
1: were my cup pick. I thought they were going to get it done,
0: right? And, and they're right. not even in
1: a playoff spot right now.
0: And a lot of it has to do with the injuries, right? Hughes has missed extended time, Heishers makes extended time. It, well,
1: a lot of it's the goaltending. The goaltending has not been good at all. Akira Shmeed was looking like he might have been pulling it together, and then they go out and play the San Jose Sharks, and he lets in like five goals on 16 shots. So Mm -hmm. uh, goaltending has been an issue for New Jersey. And then another takeaway
0: from what you were talking about there over the weekend, the 4-3 win in Calgary. Again, and I've hammered this home countless times, but I'll continue to do it as long as the team continues to hold up. It's end of the bargain. You don't let losing streaks either get started Or when they do get started, you try and nip them in the bud early. Playoff teams do not have extended losing streaks throughout the season. A handful do, sure, but they're the anomaly. Good teams understand that there's a sense of magnitude and importance in rebounding from losses, and especially two in a row, three in a row. And when you think about it, that's what the playoffs are all about. I mean, what do we hear countless times when a team goes to the playoffs? Well, that game's over with. We got a fresh start tomorrow because we have to look at it as every single one of these seven games in a series is vitally important. You can't carry over from one to the next. You have to be able to respond. So what happens on Thursday night? Canucks get outplayed by Vegas. I mean, let's be dead honest. They were the second best team in what? Every category, I would say, mm-hmm. on Thursday against Vegas. They just they look like the inferior team.
1: And well, I, they still are the inferior team.
0: Right, but the thing is is yeah. the thing you need to l- look at that performance and say, how are we going to respond against a totally different opponent? But the opportunity is there mm-hmm. to, again, all the cliches, flush what happened the night before, forget about it. As Ted Lasso says, have a mind like a goldfish, just go on to the next game, right? They go out and they did enough good things in Calgary to be the team that is also fighting tooth and nail for its own scenario, which is trying to get back into playoff contention, never mind where the Canucks are, keeping in playoff
1: contention. So uh, a few questions to ponder. Um, Philip Peronik, we didn't mention uh, that he had three assists in that game against the Calgary Flames. How much is this guy going to cost the Canucks to re-sign? Remember when the Canucks acquired uh Philip Peronik? And people wondered, like, number one, why is Steve Iserman making this trade? Is there something about Philip Peronick we don't know? But the one thing we did know is this guy is going to be due a significant raise when he becomes a restricted free agent at the end of this season. Um, we didn't know that he would put up so many points <laughs> this season. Again, three more assists on Saturday – only two defensemen in the entire NHL have more points than Philip Heronick. Mm-hmm. They are Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr. He has as many points as a guy like Victor Hedman, one of the greatest defensemen of all time currently playing his trade for the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's where Philip Peronick is right now. And I realize that it's not just a formula, It's not just, uh, well, this guy got this many points, so he gets this amount of money. It is a negotiation, Mm -hmm. but I think this negotiation is going to be real tough, especially if Rona goes into this one and going, going, I'm going to try and get as much as I possibly can in this uh, contract because Mm -hmm. he is producing – Like one of the best defensemen in the NHL right now. Mm -hmm. And you could argue that he could go into negotiations and not be totally out of line based on his production this season that he deserves more than Quinn Hughes is currently making. And that would be awkward.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, we've seen countless uh, instances like that in the past where the either best player or best guy in his respective position doesn't end up being the highest-paid guy because he's signed a contract that was signed a couple years prior and then market values and the cap raises, right?
1: I mean, I guess... Yeah, Nathan McKinnon being the most famous probably uh, of of late. Infamous, if
0: you will. I mean, look, there are teams that have this great problem on their hands because at the end of the day, it is a great problem to have. We have... Two unreal defensemen that we're going to have to pay accordingly. For example, the New York Rangers right now have two of the top fifteen paid defensemen in the NHL. They have Truba who makes eight, and they have Fox who makes nine point five. So it's not like it can't be done on the blue line. You just have to understand that it's going to cost a lot of money for Hironik, which is fine. You you know what? These the, are the, the champagne problems to have when you have good players. Like in a, in a vacuum, let's just be real here. It's great that he has come aboard and played better than expected, and you have to pay good players because they're good hockey players within the framework of the Canucks. God, I still want—I
1: still want to see him without Hughes, though. We've only seen it a little bit. I want to see him with without Hughes, and I—I uh, I wonder if we will eventually because I still feel like there's, I still feel like there's moves to be made for the for this Canucks team on the blue line. You know, Patrick Galvin. It's funny. He doesn't say much in his press conferences, and um, I remember, like a week ago after Bovillier was traded, or how many ever days ago it was, um, he did admit like we might need some help on the back end. But I think he only said that when he knew that he was getting Zadorov, right? Yep. Like that whole thing, you know, when he knew when when he was able to move out Bovillier, he was pretty sure. I I bet that the Zadorov deal was going to get done. So he was able to admit that. Now he had another press conference yesterday and it was another Patrick Alvin special. You watched it. You're like, I have learned nothing. Right. Right. And, and I, but I just do wonder how much more is going to be done on this back end because the Ethan bear, he's out there. Right. And Patrick Alvin has said, I keep in touch with Ethan Bear, Ethan Bear is training, he's skating, and he's wearing Canucks colors, and everyone's assuming that Ethan Bear is going to sign with the Canucks. Or if there's a betting favorite, it's the Canucks, right? But if you're Ethan Bear mm-hmm. and you're looking at teams to re-sign with, if you're looking at the Canucks when they get Carson Soucy back, which is probably going to be around the same time that Ethan Bear is going to be able to return or be at least be in the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't Ethan Bear the seventh defenseman if he resigns? Probably. Right? Yeah, especially given
0: what he's going to have to do to just get caught up to speed. He'd probably be
1: seven. Which brings me to Tyler Myers. I put out a poll question yesterday, and I knew the results were going to be close, and they were close because I don't think people know what's going to happen here. The question was, will Tyler Myers finish the season on the Canucks? It's got over 2,000 votes. 52% say yes. 48% say no. It was tied 50-50 for a while. Yep. And I think what Tyler Tyler Myers represents is to most Canucks fans, cap space. Right? They're like, wow. You know, look at what they were able to do by trading Beauvillier. They were able to get Nikita Zadorov Zdor- in the door. If they're able to clear $6 million in cap space by signing by trading Tyler Myers, mm-hmm. well, of course they'd be able to re-sign Ethan Bear. I think they can do that without trading Tyler Myers. But then maybe they can get a top-six winger, or maybe they get a defenseman that better fits with the Canucks. Sure. And Tyler Myers, listen, he has had a very up-and-down season. And there have been times when he's been expected to play too much, and it's shown. You know, I don't. He's not a top four defenseman in the NHL. The problem is there's not an obvious top four guy on the Canucks to replace him. So I really wonder if Patrick Alvin has a few more moves. Left in him. Uh, I don't know what's gonna happen with Tyler Myers. It probably depends if there's an op. He's got a he's got a limited no-trade list, so that could complicate things. Uh, what do you think is gonna happen? What do you think Patrick Alvine is thinking? He's done a good job of moving pieces on the chessboard
0: so far. Like nice execution with Beauvillier out, Zadorov in. And I wonder if he looks at this situation. And says that's the most obvious and logical move to make is to try and get off this money, try and find someone that fits the group a little bit better. It's going to be difficult because, again, he seems to be the only general manager making moves in the NHL right now. There's been eight trades in the league consummated since training camp opened. The Canucks have made five of them. So I give them credit for being able to move pieces around in what's really been a jammed up and log jammed trade market. I mean, I don't know if you heard Fridge on the weekend talking about what happened between Calgary and Toronto, but the general consensus was Toronto wanted Zadorov and Tanev mm-hmm. out of Calgary. The issue was they needed Calgary to retain on not one of them, but both of them because they have no cap space yeah. whatsoever. And Calgary's like, like,
1: I want Zdorov, and I want Tanev. And then Craig Conroy said, you'll get nothing and like it. He's like, here's the thing, though. You That's need- a Caddyshack reference. <laughs> you need yeah, to keep Caddyshack half the money on, on both
0: of them. So I go back to Alvin here. I think he's going to be super motivated to try and move Myers, and I would not be surprised if it gets done. But now it feels like everyone's in this waiting game. The longer we go along... The more cap space we can accrue, the less of a cap hit it gets as we get closer to February. Now, I want to also add another wrinkle to all this, because some people may be wondering, why are you guys talking so much about trades and contracts? It's because it's still a very, very ongoing, fluid, and vitally important situation for the Vancouver Canucks, because another thing Freed dropped on Saturday was like, oh, yeah, by the way, the Pedersen extension. Mm-hmm. We should have an update on this one. Uh, this is from Elliot Friedman on a Saturday night, talking about how the Canucks and their general manager, Patrick Alvin, Met with Elias Petterson in his camp during the recent Western road swing over American Thanksgiving. Uh, here's Frege with more.
2: You know, there was just a meeting on the recent road trip, Canucks, uh, Pedersen, and the GM, Patrick Alvine. two of them face-to-face, just a simple conversation, just, you know, how are things going? Pedersen was on a blistering pace at the start of the year. Nobody's expected to keep that up all the way. I just think the two of them talked about what's been going on, and I think the Canucks reiterated that when he's ready, they would like to extend him.
0: So I get, when you talk about how much is Philip Haronic's new deal going to cost, how much is Elias Petterson's new deal going to cost, you start to look at the cap dynamics, and it's an ongoing tricky situation. So you have a team that has uh, been terrific to start the year. Looks like it's going to be on the road to getting back into the playoffs. But the sustainability long term is why you keep talking about what is going to happen under the cap moving forward because every dollar is is so important and the incremental, you know, lifting of the ceiling, that's not a lot. And, you know, I, I was reading something over the weekend from Patrick Johnson pointing out, they may need to have a push to see some of these guys that are maybe not necessarily ready, ready, but close enough to being ready. And this is where we talk about guys on ELCs coming in and providing something. Mm-hmm. Because if you're going to talk about, well, how do you solve the problem? How do you get a a team that's cap compliant? Throughout history, if you look at it, a lot of the contending teams had guys coming in on their entry-level deals and not just holding their own or learning the NHL, but contributing. I
1: wonder if they're going to fast-track a guy like Lekar Amaki. I wonder if they're going to fast-track a guy like Tom Willander. It sure seems like one of the most logical answers, right? Mm -hmm. But also one of the most dangerous answers and one of the things that they've said they're not going to do. They're not going to rush players into positions where they're not ready and they're not in a position to succeed, especially when it comes to their young blue-chip prospects, of which they don't have many. No, they have two maybe three mm-hmm. and pushing them
0: into the lineup can be dangerous. It can be super risky, especially if you're a team that's not rebuilding, but you want to make the playoffs and you have post-season aspirations, but it's going to be really fascinating to see how these two play out because God, it feels like <laughs> Alvin in this front office. There's no time for rest, right? Mm-hmm. There's the current situation, which is, figure out this blue line, get it up to a place where we're going to be a competent team night after night so that we can compete for the playoffs. And then also dealing with the long term: what's going to happen with Hronik, what's going to happen with Pedersen? How are we going to get this thing cap compliant?
1: Okay. Um, There was, we got a lot of texts into the Dunbar lumber text line and someone texted in Myers and Garland are the extra money that the connects are going to need. Well, Myers is definitely coming off the books at the end of the season. Um, Garland is really starting to frustrate me watching him. His lack of finish. I, I just, I mean, I was, he is getting hard to watch out there. Because he does do some good things. He's kind of like, uh, you know, what I said about Mikheyev. Like, he's not a sniper, but he gets the puck going in the right direction. If that third line had any finish, if, uh, if any finish, mm-hmm. Dakota Joshua, the amount of chances in tight that that guy gets... Like, If he had hands, and you know, I know people were like, Well, you know, if my aunt had a whatever, you know, like it's my one aunt of those... had wheels, she'd be a bicycle, yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go, mm-hmm. thanks for finishing that off. Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, it's funny, There, was th- there's three players on the Canucks right now that you look at and go, Man, they get chances, but they just can't finish. McKayev is one of them, uh, and that was a knock on him in Toronto, right? Like, good player. No moves in tight, right? Yeah. And he had he had a breakaway against the Flames where you, his speed was on display. You're like, wow, like that's that's unbelievable. And and then he goes in there and just like shoots a right at the goalie, right? Yeah. You're kind of like, ah, maybe just throwing a shoulder fake or something like that. It's funny because the numbers play out like he's actually. I get what you're saying. Only like, last had, not right now though,
0: but it's eight and twenty-one games. So he's on pace. Yeah, for, that's not good. Yeah, yeah, it's on I pace. I mean, his
1: goal, his goal against the flames, I mean, he did score. It was like this weird backhand lob wedge that he that he but, you know, like it <laughs> But really it worked. Like, what was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But 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 Garland and and Joshua, man, like Garland especially. And I get frustrated by his this, his stick length. I really do. Like look he's getting no leverage on a shot. Right. Right? It's 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 so short out there that you're like, how can you expect to get anything on the shot? um you know if he were if he were to start producing on just on an a league average number of his his chances he'd have a bunch of goals and he'd be a lot more movable for the Canucks. It'd be, it might even be the point where we're like, actually, we want to keep this guy.
0: Yeah, it's going to be uh, very interesting to see how all that plays out. we got a lot more to get to on the program here on the Halford & Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, coming up on the other side, David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host. We can go around the league. We can talk about the never-ending rebuild in Buffalo. Buffalo still stinks, by the way. The only thing that's keeping them from not being the stinkiest in their division is that Ottawa remains in it. Another team that everyone thought was going to take the leap this year so we can talk to him about that we'll get into all the Canucks talk as well with David Amber that's coming up next on the Halford and Brough show on Sportsnet 650
2: everything Canucks before and after the games Canucks Central with Dan Riccio and Satyar Shah subscribe and download the show on Apple Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts
0: 32 on a Sunday. This may be the worst rendition of "I Wish You a Merry Christmas" I've ever heard in my entire life. Two th- two thoughts here. One, we're doing Christmas music already. Laddie wanted to throw it in every once in a while, just to bother just you, pepper it in. Yeah.
1: So this is it- the herky jerkiest version of. <laughs> so bad.
0: Yeah, I don't. I'm not sure quite what's going on. This is like something played over office speakers ahead of a major incident or something. Oh, man. So I remember when we used to work at the old building at the old station, we had, I don't even know if it's called QMFM anymore. They might have changed the name. Radio stations tend to do that. They did. I can't remember what it is. They were the ones that would do the 24-7 yes. Christmas music. Oh, I know. Oh, and I remember the DJs in there. It was like the Simpsons bit with the, the, yeah. new, the new Year's Cafe. It's like, yeah. please kill me. Yeah. <laughs> it's just too much. It's, it's a lot. It it, is. And it's, it's more than a month. Because I think they, they kicked into overdrive after American Thanksgiving. I don't think it was the yeah. December one. Th- one of the two stations I worked at in Camps did that in December as well. Once December hit, Radio NL, Radio NL would flip the switch. Yeah. Oh, you got a lot of Christmas music. <laughs> Please kill me. It was something else. <laughs> uh, you are listening to the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. Only a sliver of Christmas music here. Halford and Bruff in, in the morning is brought to you by the Delari. Accurate dealer. Today uh we go to the phone lines now joining us as he does every Monday here on the program. Hockey Day in Canada SportsNet NHL host David Amber here on the Halford and Brough show on SportsNet 650. Morning David, how are you?
1: Good, how are you? We're doing well, David, and Enjoy, we enjoyed the uh, Canucks win over the Calgary Flames over the weekend. I have a question for you because you're in Toronto. Um, who was more upset with the Nikita Zdorov trade? Was it Flames fans because they felt it was a bit of a meager return? Or was it Toronto Maple Leafs fans who looked at the return and said, or, yeah, looked at the, the price for Zdorov and said, we couldn't have done that?
2: There was definitely some raised eyebrows thinking Zadorov would get more. And then, you know, I think everyone took a bit of a measured time to, I shouldn't say everyone, um, certainly fans in Leaf Nation are known to kind of fly off the handle a little bit. But I think a lot of people listen to uh, the insiders, you know, I mean, Eric Francis, I think, provided some great insight. And, and if you look at, you know, Luke Shen last year, the Leaf Scott, Luke Shen from Vancouver, right? What was, what was, was that, a third rounder, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so uh, if he's going to slot in as your as your number five or number six defenseman, potentially, um, then maybe that's a reasonable return. So uh, I think there was a lot of ways to look at it. Uh, I, I did personally, I did think it was, I was surprised. I thought it would be more. I didn't think it was going to be a first round or anything like that, but I did think, you know, I look at what Zadorov can bring. Uh, his size, his physicality, he scored 14 goals last year, he... You know, he can slot in uh, to a lot of different positions, uh, you know, whether you want to get him on the PK or whatever the case may be. So so I uh, I looked at his versatility and thought, oh, I thought maybe he would go for a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, there were certainly some raised eyebrows. Uh, but because there's still Hannafin, there's still TANF potentially, there's still other defensemen around the league, there isn't complete panic uh, in Leaf Nation because everyone feels – it's going to happen sooner or later that Brad Trey is going to find one, if not two defensemen to, to shore up this Leafs blue line.
1: When do you think the real sell-off will start for Calgary? Because Zadorov was, you could separate the situation with Zadorov from the one with Elias Lindholm pending UFA and then the pending UFA defenseman that they still got Chris Tanev and no because Zadorov had made a public trade w re- request. Do you, right. do you think that's, the main reason why this deal was done so quickly?
2: Yes, I I do. I think Craig Conroy isn't going to rush into anything. First of all, you've got till March 8th, so you have three months uh, to make deals. It's a hard sell to tell people, come out to the Scotiabank Saddledome if they've traded off everyone. I mean, as it stands right now, they're two points out of a playoff spot. You know, this was a team, like, let's not forget... Two years ago, this was a team, or even last year, this was a team with Stanley Cup aspirations, and everything came unglued. Uh, so it's hard to go from that to like, oh, yeah, we're just we're selling the farm. I do think there's still conversations taking place, whether it's with Hannafin, uh, with Tanev, uh, with Lindholm, certainly, to try and see if there is common ground there to, to, to keep them in Calgary. I don't think the, the intention of Craig Conroy is necessarily to unload all these guys. I do believe if they feel that it's just the demands are too high or the want isn't there from those players to stay long-term, they're not going to have a Johnny Gaudreau situation and, and let them leave for nothing. So it's a bit of a quandary for for Craig Conroy, but he also instead of looking for futures in, in the terms of draft picks like they did with Zdorov, maybe they're going to be in a situation where they're actually looking for NHL players, you know, contracts as well coming back because, mm-hmm. again, it's a hard sell. They've got Hubert for a long time. They've got Kadri, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. they got Markstrom right now. They could still be a viable playoff team. So uh, it's it's they're, they're the ones who hold the cards. They're a very interesting team to keep an eye on over the next few weeks.
0: Speaking of viable playoff teams, I think two teams thought that they might just be that this season, and they're in the same division, and they're two teams that I think – hope to make the next step this year and that's the Buffalo Sabres and the Ottawa Senators. Of those two, which organization should be more disappointed about how their season has started? Buffalo
2: or Ottawa? Oh gosh. I mean, there's enough disappointment to go around. I I, I guess I'm going to say Buffalo. Uh, You know, it's been a longer road for them. 12 years missing the playoffs. My God, right? Like that's a long time and You guys are located in Vancouver. It's well, you know, understood the the disappointments there's been since, you know, basically since two thousand and eleven. I live in Toronto, like it's just been a lifetime of disappointments, right? But I mean, twelve years to not make the playoffs is a long, long time. And you look that they were taking steps. There was so much excitement surrounding that team this year. And, you know, as disappointing as it's been in Ottawa, maybe you can at least somewhat explain some of it you know the pinto situation and you know shabbat missed 10 games like there's a whole bunch of maybe you can rationalize it in some way shape or form buffalo has played six more games than ottawa and has four more points so you know if you just do the math on it you know buffalo is in a much more dire Situation than the Ottawa Senators, who sit dead last in the East, that at least have you know an abundance of games in hand on a, on, on every team. They played the fewest games in the NHL. Uh, but listen, there's there's enough disappointment to go around for both these franchises. But if you're going to make me pick one, I'm going to say uh, Buffalo. It's been I, I'm I thought they'd be where Detroit is. I thought if if I had to pick one of Buffalo, Ottawa, or Detroit to make that move, which I know was a conversation we had. You know, right before the season started, I think the three of us had that conversation, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. And I said, I think Buffalo would be that team that could make the move. And it, it hasn't happened at all. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I, I don't know. Because, again, I look at the individual pieces and I go, oh, this is great. Listen, Paige Thompson's heard, Tuck's been mm-hmm. heard. A few guys got off to slow start. I mean, you could find little reasons why, and, and those aren't little reasons, I guess, when you lose some quality players like that. But right from day one, right from their opening game, I was like, God, they just – I don't know. Uh, maybe they put too much stock. We did question, though, are the, is the goaltending ready? You know, uh, UP, Lukanen, and, and you know, everyone's very excited about Devin Levi. Um but, you know, Jeff Merrick, every day on his show, talks about it's not easy to roll out of college and roll into the NHL as a goalie. It doesn't happen. You know, uh, what the, the, was it Tom Barrasso or something was the one successful guy to do it? or You know, it just doesn't happen. Uh, and maybe we were all putting a little bit too much stock in this is this great goalie who's probably going to have a fantastic NHL career, but there's going to be some... A learning curve there, as we've seen with with so many other, you know, Thatcher Demko and everyone else. It doesn't just happen overnight. So maybe we were putting a bit too much stock in the fact that he'd be ready to take the NHL by storm. Um, and it's not all on goaltending because they have these horrible defensive breakdowns. But um, but that's part of the equation. So I, I can't. I'm not answering your question very well, guys. I'll be the first to admit it. But I, I don't know. I'm a bit surprised. I thought. Did I think Buffalo was going to, you know, be a top team in the league? No, but I definitely thought they were going to be a much more competitive team. The season's not done, but Mm. we've seen, and you guys have seen this in your market the last two years, you can bury yourself so deep by December 3rd or December 4th. Hockey from here on out to make the the playoffs, and that's just not a reasonable, you know, uh, expectation to have.
1: The Tampa Bay Lightning have lost their last four games, and boy, have they lost them. They went into Colorado, lost 4-1, went into Arizona, lost 3-1. to They lost to Pittsburgh at home 4-2. And then on Saturday, this was a bad one. They yeah. go into Dallas, and they lose 8-1. to They've got a rematch with Dallas tonight at home. Um, I guess you're in the in the position really now, if you're Tampa Bay, you're like, we better have a response right now because you never want to, it's, it's almost become cliche to say, like, you never count out the Tampa Bay Lightning, but I don't know, man, there's something wrong there.
2: Uh, yeah, I was watching Saturday when they lost 8-1 to against Dallas. Guess who had money on Tampa that day? <laughs> um, yeah, that didn't go so well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm still in the camp of, like, You know, I'm not counting out Tampa by any means, but they, you know what, there's that level of attrition that does happen, right? Like, they've lost a lot of guys, and they've lost a lot of guys, and there's a lot of tread on those tires. You know, Victor Hedman um, and Stamkos, and all these guys have played a lot of hockey, and they're still star players, don't get me wrong, but it's just... You know, even Vasilevsky, and did he rush back? The expectation was going to be that he'd be back at the end of December, and, of course, he comes back a month early. And, you know, if you saw the Jason Robertson goal, the second goal against Dallas, you know, the pre-injury Vasilevsky, those goals don't go in on him. He doesn't let in bad goals. That's why he's Andre Vasilevsky. Um, And this isn't, again, to put it on him, but it's just, you know, he is still probably getting up into game shape. And... Without that force in that, and, you know, God bless Jonas Johansson, uh, who had to hold Ford and made whatever it was, 28 starts to start the year, essentially, uh, without Vasilevsky, and and gave him, you know, the best he could, but it wasn't Vasilevsky hockey. Uh, It's just, they they feel different. It feels a little different. I will never, I've learned before you don't count out Tampa Bay, and Kucherov right now could be the MVPs, but not good. Um, but, yeah, I expect a response tonight. I, I'll have a better conversation about Tampa tomorrow because I think, you know, maybe it was a bit road-weary and, you know, going in. You, you rattled off the teams they lost. They lost some good teams there. And when they lost to Colorado, by the way, uh, they outshot them, I think, like 48 to 18 or something like that. Like, they could have won some of those games. If you, if you talk to John Cooper, I mean, he would say we didn't play as badly as you'd think. So I'm, I'm expecting a response tonight. I, I do think they're a very good team still, and, um, and I think we've learned not to, to count them out.
0: David, this was great, man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to do it. Enjoy all the games tonight, including the Dallas-Tampa Bay rematch. We'll do this again next week.
2: Yeah, my pleasure, guys. Thanks, and enjoy the
0: week. YouTube, thanks. That's David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet NHL host here on the Halford & Breath Show on Sportsnet
1: 650. Let's talk a bit about the Buffalo Sabres because they are the sad club brothers of the Vancouver Canucks. The Canucks Uh and the Sabres, the only current members of the sad club. Hockey Uh, division. Hockey division. uh, 40 years, over 40 years in their respective markets without a Stanley Cup. Um, I look at Buffalo and I think, yeah, goaltending is part of the problem. Obviously, it might easiest be easiest thing to blame. Too. It might be the biggest thing, right? Fine. But this is still not a team that five. They're in the bottom ten of the league, and you know the goaltending is certainly an element, right? But you look at the team and you think, wow, there's some good young players. If you look at their centers, do they have a truly elite? number one center? Like, would you put... I know Tage Thompson is hurt right now, but Mm -hmm. would you put him in that category? Would you put him up there with a guy like Elias Pettersson if he's on? Like, I I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I know he's 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 a heck of a goal scorer, but I don't know if he's the type of guy that can... Drive play like you need to in order to be an elite number one center in the NHL. Okay, and I, and I think that's what. And I think if you're if you're asking me what's really missing from you're sighing a lot. Yeah, because I are like because mm. he had 40, you sound like
0: you're in pain by he this had, conversation. He had 47 goals and 94 points last year. Mm-hmm. It's hard not to call that elite, but I'm sighing because I kind of see what you're saying and I kind of agree with you. He's almost a good stats on bad team guy at this stage. I need to see it. One more long term. Yet he had 38 and 47 goals back to back. So he's done it more than once. I get that, but I need to see it. Uh, like you said, like who's a better player,
1: Jack Eichel or Tage Thompson? Jack Eichel, Driving, right? It, laddie would. And they, and they had they had Jack Eichel, but we all know what happened there. Yeah. You know, Don't Dylan Cousins they're. is a guy who's been coming out and like really ripping um, his own team. Like he's been he's he been going soft. he's been going Zadorov on them. Mm-hmm. Right? Too soft. Right uh, now, this season, we're playing way <laughs> too soft, and you're like, "Well, you know, Dylan Cousins. I, 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 listen, I think he's a good player, and they and the Sabers made a big bet on him, big long term bet, and he's one of the guys that needs to step up his game. Right? He's supposed to be one of the young, uh, close to elite players on that team. So I'm glad you
0: brought up the Cousins thing because I think this is an important facet of what's going on in Buffalo. Dylan Cousins called out, he said, we're too soft, collectively, as a team, we're, we're too soft. He's 22 years old, and he is in, what, his fourth NHL campaign, and he's not playing great. Mm. And for him to be the guy that steps up and says this thing, I think it's kind of indicative of what the Sabres are. is It's a bunch of young guys that all have a ton of promise, but they've never won at the NHL level, Like plain and simple. They haven't. None, and it's, it's often very does le- similar. Does
1: leadership matter in a situation like this? Like I think it does. I think, I think it does. Comes, leadership and coaching. How long has Don Granado been there? I, I think. I it wonder com- if the heat's going to start to build on him soon.
0: I think it comes down to when you talk about a group and you say, what does winning look like? What does, it cons- what does it look like? How do we and win? And on the
1: Sabres is like, I don't know.
0: Well, I've grown up in a culture of losing. Right? <laughs> we had the conversation with Bo Horvat mm-hmm. when he was in Vancouver a few years ago. And part of the conversation was you know, how do you, when you mature and grow up and learn the game in a losing environment, at what point do you say, okay, now it's time to flip the switch and start winning when you don't know what that looks like? And I know you get you go down a very slippery slope with this conversation because then you start talking about veteran leadership and intangibles and those things matter. But at the same time, your best players have to be your best players. So in Buffalo... Paige Thompson and Dylan Cousins and Rasmus Dalin have to pull this team out of it because they're the guys that are getting paid the most money and they're the best players on the team. But if they don't know how to do that, mm-hmm. herein lies the problem, and it's why Buffalo is in a 12-year rebuild. Now, it was funny because I found the old video. We did this a month ago, and you and I had a debate, and we clipped the video and everything. Who would you take right now? If you had to take the core of either team, would you take the Vancouver Canucks core or would you take the Buffalo Sabres core? And the Buffalo Sabres core is very, very tantalizing and very intriguing because they've got a lot of guys that are under the age of 24 that are signed long-term with very reasonable money that could be a real, real value play mm-hmm. later on. Talking about Dylan Cousins, talking about Rasmus Dalin Matias
1: Samuelson, Owen Power. Owen Power. Go yeah. down the list. They made a lot of big bets on young guys hoping that – in a few years Alex the deals Tunch will be one. you'll look at those over. and be like wow Owen Power's only making 8.35 million wow Philip Ronick is making 16 million a <laughs> year <You're> right
0: <laughs> but when you look at it you're saying man I could really understand why you'd want to pick that Buffalo core just look at the talent there and look mm-hmm. how long they're all locked up and all the boxes are ticked you got the number one defenseman you got depth down the middle you want a you know you
1: want a scoring winger they got those too I I was I was honestly laughing at Sabre's Twitter though because that's Sabre's Twitter is angry but in some ways it's like funnier than Canucks Twitter. Like Canuck's Twitter sometimes gets like too angry, especially you know last year It sure. was like, Wow, I'm worried about you like there was one reply that I tweeted out from a Sabres fan that made me laugh out loud. It was just its simplicity. Like, the Sabres were losing 5-0 to Carolina. And one guy replied, give it up for year 13. The rebuild keeps going. Wrong. It's the 13th year of this. Do you remember how long ago when their general manager, God, I don't even know who it was. Darcy Regier? No. Uh, who was the guy that came in from Ottawa? Oh, Murray. Murray came yeah. in and said, uh, like, there might be a little bit of suffering first, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't expect this amount of suffering. Like, no. this suffering in Buffalo, like, the constant year after year of this stuff, despite looking at the roster and going, like, look at all this talent we've got. See, and actually. We an, need to be good
0: eventually. Well, that's an important thing to bring up, too, because when we talk about the culture and the attitude and all those sorts of things, the team and the fan base mirror each other in that regard. Because it's almost like the fans have been so far removed from what winning feels like Mm -hmm. that 13 years of losing is all they know. And at a certain point in Buffalo, it stopped being angry about losing and start becoming apathetic about losing. Yeah, for a lot of people. Yeah, if you look at their attendance, for sure. Right? And you you can apply that to the players to a certain degree. I'm not saying they're apathetic, but... When you start becoming okay with losing, or you start thinking that this is the norm, you run into a real dangerous game because all of a sudden it's like, well, what's going to snap us out of this? Mm-hmm. R- Rasmus Dalin, look at his tenure in Buffalo. It's been way more losses since wins. He's played no big games in March, never mind the postseason. And now you're saying, well, he's getting paid like an elite number one top flight defenseman but he's on a team that for again the 13th consecutive year does not look like it's going to be in the playoffs and it's a it's a really interesting case study because there's i get draft develop sign and go mm-hmm. as as a model like it makes a ton of sense and you understand why a lot of teams go that route but i think what we're seeing in buffalo is the very dangerous flip side of that when everything is based around the young guys and those young guys don't know how to carry the mail quite yet.
1: Right. They, yeah. They, yeah. That's what it is. Think of all the things that Rick Tockett said in this management group in Vancouver, which is, you know, the, the, the Canucks management stock hasn't been this high in a long, long time. Think of all the things that they said when they came in and they looked at this Canucks team and think of all the things that they've done. They traded their captain. They fired the coach and brought in a completely new coaching staff uh, in Rick Tockett, and they preached things that started to make us roll our eyes a little bit, You know, structure, accountability, Mm -hmm. and Rick Tockett would come in and say, we need to empower the leadership group. And now you look at the Canucks leadership group, Especially with Quinn Hughes as the captain, you're like, I like this leadership group. Hundred percent. Whereas last season, you were looking at it and you're like, this is a rudderless ship. Like, who's in charge of this? Yeah. From from both like the coaching perspective, um, right down to the players. Like who's the who's the leader of this team? And I wonder if, you know, you maybe Dylan Cousins is trying to be the leader. Of the team and good on him. But Dylan Cousins is 22 years old. Yeah. Right? It's like it's a hard position for him to be in. He hasn't been in the NHL that long. I really wonder how that goes over in the room when like the skinny six foot three,
0: 22 year old who's not playing that well calls everybody else soft. Yeah. I'm sure he meant, I'm sure he meant well by it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was, he was like, I've seen other guys, I've seen other leaders do this before. Well, a guy like Zadorov did it. Yeah. Right. And then he was traded. Yeah. <laughs> and then he was quickly <laughs> removed from the team. Uh, okay. We got an open segment coming up. Friendly reminder, we're giving away two sets of tickets today. One to the Canucks and Wild Thursday, 7 p.m. Rogers Arena. That will go to one of the best What We Learns. Text in Dunbar Lumber text line is 650-650. Hashtag it WWL and put a ticket emoji into your text. We are also giving away tickets for Tuesday night's match at BC Place. Sorry, Christine Sinclair Place. Between Canada and the Aussies. The Aussies. Yeah, not, they're
1: not Aussies. You do that every time. Every time,
0: man. I, I, I know. Aussies. I just said it. I know what I said, and I know what I said afterwards. But it's not like you're doing it as a joke. It's like you think you make it, a mistake every no, no, time. No, no, it's not a mistake. Yeah. That's how it's pronounced. Mm. But it's I'll not. say Aussies for you people. Yeah. Anyway, you people. And for the, the people Aussies. of Australia, please. Um, mm-hmm. We're giving away tickets to Christine Sinclair's Farewell Match. That's on Tuesday. If you want tickets to that. same text line, hashtag at WWL, put a soccer ball emoji into your text.
1: Uh, We got an open segment on the other side, so text in questions or comments into the Dunbar Lumber text line, 650-650. We'll look at the Canucks' upcoming five-game homestand, kind of go through all the teams that they're going to see, because there's going to be some interesting opponents coming through Rogers Arena. Uh, I also want to talk, and I'm sorry, but we're going to do it, I want to talk about college football. No, 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 no. I don't apologize. Because the college football debate this weekend was an all-timer. And I still don't know what I think about the committee's decision to leave Florida State out of the college football playoff. Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on